Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, wintry mix everywhere but Knoxville time. Why is Texas frozen and it's 50 degrees here time? I don't get it time. I also don't get Tennessee basketball right now time. That's okay because we're about to get more Tennessee football staff time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday afternoon. How are you? Hope you're well. Hope everything is great in your world. Not just me on this podcast. We're going to talk mostly, pretty much exclusively, Tennessee football in this epi- this edition. Is that what we're going to say? We're going to call it an edition. This edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We're going to go down to uh, an undisclosed location, and then we're going to go across town uh, to Ryan Callahan's Clown Car of Children, Patrick Brown's Undisclosed Location, if I can get that out. Fellas, what's going on? Not much, man. Just uh, enjoying what's what's been like the longest staff search any of us has probably covered, right? Feels that uh, way. It just, it just seems longer because it's February. That's true. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to give you a, a heads up really quickly before we get into this. Um, if you... I'm going to try my best not to, like, cough on this episode, but uh, I've been under the weather for a few days. So uh, just giving you a heads up. It's not the Rona, so so don't worry about that. And if you were hoping it was Rona, then you're sorry. Better luck next time. Uh, just kind of a flu-like virus. So we got three guys on here. I'll be able to hit the cough button. We'll be able to get through this. This edition of the GoVault 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever uh, products, services, and in-house ads you hear, in addition to uh, Death Wish Coffee and DayQuil. Uh, helping us get through the podcast today. Fellas, Tennessee has been on the search to complete uh, its football staff for a few weeks now, it seems like. What's it? Uh, what's the exact number of days? Is it 17, 18, 19? What, what, what are we talking here in terms of days? I think like we're, 19? Uh, we're, ni- we're 19 days into the to the Heupel era. He was hired on January 27th. So. And, yeah, and, and that, that, that quest is, is continuing. It's not... They're not completely done with it yet. Still a couple of spots left. But uh, the, the big news that, that came Monday uh, was that Tennessee uh, is going to have as its defensive coordinator, Tim Banks, the co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach, I believe, at Penn State. So Tennessee tried to hire James Franklin, didn't work. Then they went up there and took one of his guys instead. That's how the business goes. And, and I'll be honest, guys, I, I posted uh, Sunday night that um, it, it looked for all the world – like the Chiefs linebackers coach um, uh, was going to come and be the defensive coordinator at Tennessee, Matt House. Yes, he had told um, uh, enough people to where two of them told me. Uh, there were a couple guys, one down in Orlando, uh, one at another school I won't mention, who, who know Matt House and said that he had accepted the job. So it looked like it that. sounds like 
and by the way, it sounds like that's true. Like it sounds like he took the job. Yeah, and that's kind of back, that, yeah, backed out. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. So so I posted that, and then lo and behold, like ten, I was like, barring any unforeseen snags, and then like ten minutes after I posted it, uh, it came back with, hey, there was a snag. Uh, he talked with Andy Reid. He's going to get more money. He's going to stay in Kansas City. So then Tennessee circles back to someone they had at least talked with a little bit earlier in the process, uh, and it looks like uh, Tennessee's defensive coordinator will be. Tim Banks. So, guys, uh, Tennessee also confirmed the offensive staff. We'll talk about that here uh, at the end of the first segment. We'll also talk a little bit about what's left uh, and then also the Ty Simpson recruitment, the five-star quarterback. We'll talk about him in the second segment. Um, But first, let's get to the news about Tim Banks. What do we know? What do we think? Well, first of all, we're all glad it's over, right? (laughs) Yes. Knock on wood. Um, This is me knocking on wood right now. I've seen some people compare this to the 2017 coaching search, and that is ridiculous. First of all, um, I mean it—it's—it was to me this search as a whole was an extension of the head coaching search, right? You, it was the situation that Tennessee's in right now made it tough for any defensive coordinators who are in good situations uh, to you know it, it. What's going on with Tennessee made it tough for those guys to to want to leave that for this. Um, and especially when you have, you know, at Ohio State without Washington, they made a, a move to keep him with more money, even though Tennessee was offering. I mean, shoot, guys, we've heard one, you know, 1.5 a year, 1.7 a year. I heard uh, 1.5 solid. It may re- have been more than that. Re- regardless, it was, it might have, it might have been an escalating kind of salary, like we saw that Jim Cheney had, where it was one yeah. five, one six, and one seven. Either way, they were offering him a ton of money. They probably offered House comparable. Mm-hmm, they did. Uh, we'll see if if Banks gets into seven figures. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, but you know, you, you, you go after some coaches. You go after Casey Rogers. They they decide. You know, uh, Rogers decided he wanted to stay in the NFL. Then you had those two guys that you got pretty far down the road with, threw a lot of money at, and then they're like, ah, we're going to stay here. That, that it sort of it sort of was the extension of what was going on with the uh, with the head coaching search. But uh, I like this hire, Banks. Um, he's been around a lot of good defenses at Penn State. Uh, looking at some of the numbers, they were in the they've been in the top twenty uh, nationally in total defense a couple times. Uh, never really been outside barely the top thirty five nationally. Which um, if you're if you're doing if you're up there, you're doing pretty well. Um, coached at Illinois. Um, coached yeah, you know, and he coached with Butch Jones. That's we're kind of, we kind of buried the lead there. He was Butch Jones' defensive coordinator at Central Michigan and Cincinnati for two years. Uh, he was not. I wasn't going to go there. I mean, you can go there. Um, I, I, and, I, I, didn't, clear, I, I didn't want people to start committing seppuku while listening to this edition of the podcast. You know, it's the second time in recently you've thrown out that word. I don't know if it means what you think that it means. Oh, I know. I know what it means. <laughs> I'm just quoting a movie to try to be funny. Yeah, I know. good job. I'm laughing. Um, Give me a break, man. This but, is remember. This is the uh, the edition of the podcast brought to you by Dayquil. <laughs> Epidition. Yes. Um, but you know, but you know, Banks worked at Central Michigan with with Butch and you know, they won two Mac titles there. He was at Cincinnati, coach Derek Wolf. Um and, and I think what uh what Josh Heifel wants his defense to be, I think I think Banks has, has been around some defenses that are capable of doing that. Namely, uh you see a lot of turnovers, a lot of sacks, a lot of tackles for loss, um, things like that. So um you've seen that some of the defenses he's been around at Penn State at Illinois. Um, his defenses under Butch Jones did that. And, and to clarify, we had, had I saw this a couple times uh, earlier today. He was not a guy that Butch didn't retain when he took the Tennessee job. Um, Banks had left Cincinnati after the 2011 season at Illinois, and then Butch left for Tennessee the year after that. So uh, th- those were not connected things. But 
Um, and, and I think banks, banks will bring something as a recruiter, you know, coordinators don't often, um, have to be your biggest recruiters, but you know, he, he's, he's recruited well. I think he was 11th in the big 10 in the past, uh, in, in the recruiter rankings, Pat, each of the past two years. So, yep. um, there's something there as well. Um, so, uh, again, he was a guy that they, I think they looked at early on. Um, I don't, I don't know the extent of how far they got down the road or if banks wasn't interested or if Tennessee didn't push hard, but, um, he's a guy that they came back around to and, uh, and, and they managed to, uh, to get it to where it's just about done or, and, and we're expecting it to be done uh, at some point. Ryan, out of curiosity, you know, we mentioned this because oftentimes when you think of coordinators, you don't think of recruiters, right? You know, Jeremy Pruitt was a little bit different in that way. A lot of times recruiters are, you know, kind of more focused on being position coaches, you know, or, or, or coordinators in terms of kind of working with every position, you know, scheming, and they don't always go recruit as much. What do we know uh, about Banks or, or is he a guy, I know he recruits mostly or he has recruited a lot in the Midwest, uh, particularly the Detroit area. Um, anything in particular? that you know about him as a recruiter that you've heard he has he has a pretty good reputation as a recruiter I, w- I wouldn't say he's known as an elite recruiter nationally or anything like that but it, obviously Penn State recruits at a pretty high level and, and having been there for five years he's, he's been in on some pretty good players they've gotten there uh, and, and other stops but uh, among his past you know commitments and, and signees he's credited as the primary or secondary recruiter for nine different four stars uh, that have signed in the past which considering that Penn State is really the only uh, Power Five program that he's been at for any length of time as an assistant coach. That's that's pretty good. So uh, yeah, I, th- I think he'll be solid in that area. And, and and like you said, it's not typical for a defensive coordinator to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting, but you do want him to be solid in that area. I think as 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 often as possible. And I think you get a you know pretty a pretty young guy, a, a guy who's experienced, but not not necessarily in the later stage of, of his career or anything like that. So that helps to, to relate with kids. And yeah, I, I think having, you know, just what, what, I, what little bit I've heard about him as a recruiter, it's been pretty positive so far. So I, I think this is going to be well-received from that standpoint. And he has a, he has a background with defensive backs, which certainly, uh, certainly helps, I think, because uh, that's at least right off the bat, that's one of Tennessee's biggest needs. They've got to start to restock the cupboard in the secondary and, I think he's a guy that can help with that. And then, you know, what to me becomes sort of the interesting uh, discussion, and it's it may not be quite as interesting as it used to be because every defense these days is multiple, right? Like, you know, it seems like everyone's base defense in just about every game is a nickel because of how many kind of spread offenses and sort of three, four receiver sets that we see across the game. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's like, are you a 3-4 guy? Are you a 4-3 guy? Kind of what's your what's your M.O.? And and as far as I can tell, um, Penn State is a, a base 4-3, uh, has been. So I wonder if, you know, because he was on that staff, that's the way he prefers to play defense, or is this a situation where he has a different sort of um, scheme in mind? Because that, that's a huge question, you know, because you recruit players – uh, Tennessee recruited players for the 4-3 for, for years, went to the 3-4, didn't work, went back to the 4-3. Uh, then Pruitt comes in, they go kind of back to that 3-4 set. Um, and they've been recruiting to that for a couple years now. So I, I wonder, and I don't know that we'll have the answer to this right now, but I, I think it's it's important to note that you know Tennessee might be changing its defensive philosophy again. Yeah, and there's some guys, um, you know, particularly the, those sort of edge defenders is what I think we should call them, whether they're hand-in-the-ground defensive ends or whether they're stand-up outside linebackers. Those are the guys that are, that are probably most affected. Now, there, there's different 
um, you have different sort of body types for what you're looking for in certain defenses. Um, uh, so that, that that's going to impact, you know, what kind of linebackers you get, what kind of defensive linemen you get, particularly the interior guys. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I, is it going to be an overhaul? I don't know. You know, a lot of coaches these days, um, you know, it's not really about four, three, three, four. It's mostly, you know, yeah. most of the time you're in a nickel um, and, and you need linebackers who are uh, big enough to play in the box, but can also play in space. You also need, um, you know, you, you need guys, whether they're 240 uh, or whether they're 275 who could get to the quarterback off the edge and you need guys in the middle who can take up space and eat up blockers. You know, uh, I think some of those things um, are required and just about any defense and uh, particularly nowadays you need, you know, you need guys who can cover in, in the secondary. And so, um, yeah, there, there could be some changes for, you know, philosophically, but um, I, I don't know that this is going to be reinventing the wheel or even going to, you know, it's not like Georgia tech going from the triple option to not a high school offense. That's yeah. A shot at us. And uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to let that slide because this epidition is a positive one. Um, but you know, you look at um, j- just, you know, and looking at numbers and, and, and this, these are just pure numbers. Uh, last year, I, I believe Penn state's two defensive ends were six, four, two fifty and six, six, two fifty. the starters, uh, the linebackers. Interestingly, the outside linebackers, uh, both uh, kind of the Will and the Sam, were were both about 240, 6'3", 240 types, 245 types. And the middle linebacker was 6'1", 230, or 6'1", 233. So, um, you know, it looks like for, for, for a 4'3 kind of base, those are some big linebackers. And, and the Big Ten's a different league in some ways. Um, so so it, it'll probably be different coming down to Tennessee. Um, but as you said, Pat, usually you're in a nickel anyway. That's just interesting to me because – you know, when you got a guy who has never been like, you know, just like like the primary main defensive coordinator, you wonder, um, you know, is he gonna, you know, run kind of the offense that he wants, or, or is he, you know, or the defense that he wants, or, or is it going to be kind of what he's learned along the way, and he's just going to stick to that? Because you know, you got guys like Pruitt who, you know, were, were like, hey, why would I, why would I fix something that's not broken? Look at that defense. Look at the way it's been done. Um, it's okay. Now he was more aggressive in some ways, but but in general the 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 scheme was kind of the same. Um, but then sometimes you see guys go from position coach to coordinator, and and they have different ideas of what they want to do. So uh, I think it's interesting, and, and and it would be really fun uh, if this were going to be a spring practice where we could see those sorts of things. But you know, it's it's not going to be. What we're going to get is what three minutes of B roll for for practices, and then we're going to get photos, and and then we're going to see what they look like when the season starts. Because there's just we're going to have to kind of go based on what they tell us, and if they don't want to say much, well, they don't have to say much. Yeah, the, and the the staff uh, composition to me is the bit is the big uh, wrinkle that comes with the defensive uh, style because if you're a four three defense, you you wouldn't have a need probably to go for two linebackers coaches or anything like that. So they've got a we'll talk more about this later, but we you know they've got a few more spots left to fill on this staff. So that's that's the fascinating part to me is uh, and, and probably where it shows up the most is what are your priorities in assembling the rest of this staff. Do you do you want separate coaches for defensive ends and defensive tackles going with a four three? Do you do you just want a D line coach and a linebackers coach, and then maybe split up the secondary and hire a special teams coordinator, which is what Heupel had at UCF, uh, a, a separate coach who dealt with nothing but special teams essentially. Um, so you, you've got some options there, and and what they choose to uh, to do with those final spots will uh, will will have a lot to do with the scheme, I'm sure. So. That's uh that that's the biggest area they'll show up. Like you said, everybody's kind of multiple these days. I'm sure you'll see some, you know, at least some three man fronts, even if they are a four three base defense. You're going to see 
some four-man fronts no matter what, as we saw under Jeremy Pruitt's staff. So it's just a matter of how often are you in a, a four-man front and then you know how often are you in nickel and things like that. Uh, most of the other stuff does, you know, changes uh, kind of – everybody does a lot of the same stuff in terms of general formations. Uh, it's just a matter of, of how your scheme is run and how aggressive you are. So, yeah, I, that's where it will show up the most to me is in the, in the, uh, the staff alignment and, then, uh, and just sort of how, how they treat those edge rushers, which obviously is the focus for everybody. Are they defensive ends? Are they going to play outside linebacker with their, their hand off the ground a lot of times? And, uh, and, and, and what will their linebackers look like? Because if in a 4-3 system, that's, that's a, a big difference, as we've seen over the years. You, you won't see Tennessee probably recruiting a, a lot of those heavier linebackers if they switch to a 4-3. So, yeah, there are definitely some questions to answer there. And Tennessee's got some personnel that, you know, if they switch to a 4-3, might not be as good of a fit for that system. But that's sometimes if that's the, the scheme you want, that's what you got to go with and, uh, and just not worry about having a, you know, a few players who might not be a perfect fit. Yeah, I, I think Penn State was primarily – a four man front primarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the depth again, chart I've seen at Penn state shows a four, three. So yeah, yeah it, it, I, it, I it, it was a multiple four, three base basically. Yeah. And, and you know, there, there's a lot of different variations of, of a four, two, five. Sometimes you can do a three, three, five with that, you know, that third linebacker could be an edge guy, but mm-hmm. uh, it looks like it was a little bit more traditional of a four man front. And, uh, you know, Tennessee's probably got some guys that, you know, I don't, we don't need to get too into the weeds here at this early stage, but, you know, I think Tyler Bannon could probably be a hand in the dirt defensive end. Yeah, easily. Um, Bryson, uh, you know, Bryson Eason probably could be too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then some of those guys, you know, Roman Harrison's probably the one guy that's sort of a, maybe the tweener of the group, but. Yeah, he, uh, I, don't he I don't know where he'll fit exactly. My guess would be defensive end, but I don't know. But, yeah, so. Um, but but I think um, you know Banks is uh, he's been involved in enough good defenses. Uh, obviously at Penn State, Brent Pry was uh, I think the main defensive play caller. Although I do think uh, I do think Banks called plays when he was at Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be wrong with that, but uh, I do believe that's the case. So he, he's done it before. Obviously he did it um, you know with, with Butch at Central Michigan and Cincinnati. So he's done it before. This isn't a situation I think with, you know with. When Tennessee was going after Al Washington, a lot of people were like, well, how can you hire a guy that's never called plays? Um, and, and certainly that, that would have been a risk, but um, that's not, I don't, I don't get that. I don't, I don't think that's the case with uh, here with Banks. It's interesting to me just how, how you, you see like the different clicks of coaches. Like it's like, you know, everybody's worked for somebody at some point. Like there's, uh, you, don't, you don't even need like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon to get back to like, you know, another coach. It's just kind of, those things are interesting to me because those are the things that we go through when we're looking at, um, searches like who will they go with? Because normally you go with somebody you know, and or, or somebody who's close with somebody you know. But go on, Ryan. Well, I was just gonna say, I, I think overall it is a it is a good hire um, because you you know the way this search was looking and the way people were kind of thinking about this search, it's uh, I, I think it's pretty good, all things considered, to get a guy who has as much experience. Even though, as Patrick said, that's going to be the big question about him. He hasn't been a play caller very much, at least not a primary play caller. But but he's been a co-defensive coordinator or defensive coordinator in title for more than a decade now at, at a few different places, and, and now he's done it at a Big Ten school for five years. So you you gotta like that. Uh, and considering that, yeah, Tennessee was looking at some position coaches who had clearly never called plays uh, before. So so you when you were getting down to those, uh, in, sort of into those waters, you wondered about uh, hiring a first-time play caller when this is such an important hire for a guy like Josh Heupel, who is an offensive-minded head coach. You want someone in there with some experience uh, that, that has a good reputation already that, that you feel 
comfortable kind of just giving him the reins on that side of the ball and letting him steer steer the ship. And uh, and I think you you at least feel a little better with a guy like Tim Banks who has has had that code title uh, for for a long time and has at least been a, a defensive coordinator in title before. Um, so uh, so that that makes you feel better. And and I think the the track his career has taken makes you think he's still a guy on the rise too who has a chance to have some success at this level. Yeah, not an old guy for sure. Not not an old guy. Uh, before we go to break here, we should mention that, that Tennessee has now, uh, earlier on Monday, which is today as we're recording this, released uh, the the full or what it's calling the full offensive staff, and, and there were no surprises there. These are all names that we have told you were coming. Uh, it is obviously Josh Heifel is, for all intents and purposes, the offensive coordinator. He's, he's going to be the play caller. It's his offense. Um, but Alex Golish will be his offensive coordinator and tight ends coach. Uh, Cody Burns, former Auburn player, the wide receivers coach. Uh, Glenn Ellerby on the offensive line. Uh, Joey Halsley will be the quarterbacks coach. And Jerry Mack, the running backs coach. Uh, anything that – obviously, guys, there were no surprises in there. Anything, you know, in terms of interesting notes financially, otherwise, anything else that kind of that, – that, that stuck out to you after the Monday Monday news drop or, or Monday news confirmation, I should say? Well, th- this is um... – as you as we as you mentioned, Wes, we reported four of these guys were coming the day after Heupel got hired. Yeah, um, those, those guys from UCF being Golish, Ellerby, uh, Hosley, and then Burns, who actually had just gotten hired at UCF after he wasn't retained at Auburn. Um, so, uh, you know, th- I, I think Heupel is leaning on familiarity with with three of those guys. It's interesting that I think Ellerby was the only guy that was at UCF all three of his years. Um, Golish came on I think a year ago, and, and Hosley. Uh, no, Halsey's worked with Heupel at I think at Utah State and Missouri, um, but he wasn't the the full time quarterbacks coach until a year ago. So, um, but UCF UCF's offense was I think number two in in yards in 2020. So I think they they still did a pretty good job. But um, yeah, I, I think there's you know uh, I think there's a lot to like about this group. You know, LRB has done a pretty good job with the offensive lines at a couple of places, Missouri and, and UCF being two of them. Uh, you know, Missouri's offensive line. I remember, I think it was maybe Pruitt's first season. Those guys were ginormous. Um, and, and in his first season there, I think they were pretty high up there nationally in terms of fewest sacks and fewest tackles for loss allowed, which, uh, which is obviously something that, that Tennessee has struggled with over the past couple of years. Uh, Golesh really, I think, turned around Iowa State's tight ends. I mean, they were uh, barely an afterthought in that offense. And they were, I think they, they that group is, uh, I think they totaled like more than 75 catches in 2019, which is pretty impressive. Um, I think, uh, and so uh, Mac, you know, Ryan had had some good stuff on him about his ties to Memphis. Uh, obviously, he coached in North Carolina too, so there's probably some ties there. I know David Cutcliffe at Duke um, thinks highly of Mac. You know, I think Duke and NC Central played a few times, um, and Burns was was in the SEC at Auburn, so he he's recruited in the SEC. He kind of knows um, kind of the the lay of the land. So financially. Um, Golish is the only guy that's getting a three-year deal, and uh, we didn't. We were kind of discussing this a little bit before we started recording, um, but as we've been talking, I've been perusing some of the legalese. Now I, I've gotten, I think, pretty good at, at reading these contracts over the years because you know Tennessee's changed coaches so often that Pat Brown um, Esquire. These le- this legalese is like uh, you know it's like my second language now. Um, but the buyouts, if Tennessee, if any of these coaches leave Tennessee, and I've never seen this before. Um, their buyouts, if they leave, is 50% of their remaining salary if they go to another SEC school. If they go somewhere else other than the SEC or the NFL, it's 25% of their remaining salary. Hmm. So it's like, don't go to the SEC. 
don't leave us for Georgia is what you're saying. So yeah, don't um, don't don't take your trade secrets somewhere in the league. Yeah, but um, you know, I, I think this is um, you know, I, you know, it's a staff that that Heupel is familiar with. Um, like I said, three of these guys and, and Burns to a degree too, um, kind of know how to help implement this offense. And, and obviously, um, you, you can make the case that the, the overhaul on the offensive side of the ball might be bigger than what it's going to be on defense, right? I mean, uh, Tipsy's going from kind of wanting to line it up and run it down your throat to we're going to run 90 plays a game, yeah. snap it every 12 seconds, spread it out, and all that kind of thing. So uh, I think he's leaning on on some of these guys that, that know him well and, and know his system and know how to implement it to uh, to, to get the grant, you know, get Tennessee's offense up and running pretty quickly. Yeah, and we for sure. And we need to mention that, you know, there are some people who will who just think, you know, kind of the old school SEC. This is, you know, that's not an SEC offense. To that, I would just say you you need to watch football. <laughs> like this is what people well, look what are, Ole Miss did this, this year. This is what people are doing now. If you want to win games, you need to score points. It's not about points allowed defensively anymore. That's really not as important. It's it's about getting stops. Uh, how many stops do you get per game? How many stops do you get per half? How many negative yardage plays do you make uh, to kind of put people behind the sticks? How many turnovers do you force? Those are the numbers that matter now to me more than points. Ryan, did you have something before we go? To well, break? absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I was going to say, uh, as a Tennessee Titans fan, and you see this in the NFL all the time, the Titans had a terrible third down defense this year. Not a good defense overall, but they went 11-5 and because that's the way football is played now. Your game needs to be, in most cases, and, and there, there are exceptions. You can, you can still zig while others zag. And like we saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win a Super Bowl with defense. So, like, it can be done. But these days, score 30-plus points and get four stops or so at some point in the game, and you win a lot of times. So that's this is more in line with what you need to do in the modern game, at least right now, to, to, to win. So I think it's, it's – uh, it's, it's, yeah, Patrick's got a great point. So it's still going to be a major overhaul on offense, and that's where we're going to see the biggest changes. Um, I, I think this offensive staff is pretty, pretty well aligned with what you need. I, you know, I, I like having the uh, – the more proven, maybe big-time recruiter and Cody Burns, a wide receivers coach. I think I think that's an maybe kind of a low-key, really good hire on this staff. You know, I think people see that as just him bringing the guy that he had just hired at UCF. But uh, a lot of Tennessee fans might not realize how how good of a recruiter Cody Burns was during his time at Auburn. He brought in some pretty good receivers, including Seth Williams. And those and those uh, receivers got better throughout their careers too. Yeah, absolutely. Seth Williams was definitely not the the player. Uh, his first year that he that he was uh, this past year, so yeah, I I, I think that's definitely true. And, and he signed several four star receivers at Auburn, even though that's not a school that's been known for its wide receivers over the years. He he did a really good job there, I think, over the past few years. So I like that hire, Jerry Mack. I, I think that you, you touched on a great point there. Not just the Memphis ties, which is I think the, probably the main reason for the hire, but it gives you some North Carolina connections that I think you need on this staff. So that's a that's a big deal in recruiting. Uh, I. I like Glenn Ellerby's track record and, and they are going to, that, that to me will be the most fascinating transition is how, how will this staff go about sort of back building the, uh, the depth on the offensive line, because they've got so many guys they're inheriting who were sort of in that Jeremy Pruitt mold of 320 pounds plus in a lot of cases, you know, some pretty heavy guys coming in that just wanted to run the ball down your throat. And now you're switching to offensive linemen who need to be able to keep up with this offense. That's running three plays a minute. And that's going to be – you're not necessarily going to see them recruit a bunch of 260-pound tackles out of high school, but I think you could see some transition there where you've got to find some pretty athletic tackles who are 
have lean builds and things like that, you, you're, you're going to see a little bit of a difference there. So that, that'll be fascinating to me. And then what's, what really stood out to me is how, Josh Heupel's a quarterback guy. So most people would assume he's going to be handling the quarterbacks and all that, you know, not a, not a big deal. He's known the, as the quarterback guru, but how important does it tell you that he thinks the quarterback position is when not only does he bring in a quarterback's coach in Joey Halsley, but he also has an analyst that he's bringing with him, Mitch Militello, uh, who was involved in Brian Maurer's recruitment, he revealed the other night and, and loved him from the, from the recruiting process. But he's bringing a guy like that as his quarterback analyst too. So you've got essentially three guys who will be working with quarterbacks in some form or fashion. I think that tells you how much those guys – matter in this system and how much you've got to get that position right that you put that many resources into one spot yeah it, and, and it come we've come a, since he's come a long way from butch jones not having a quarterback's coach is what you're saying right? absolutely yes <laughs> or, uh, or, or, or a strength or a strength coach a full-time strength coach also uh the uh you, you brought ryan you bring up a good point there are a couple of these other support staff guys that i think are in place on the offensive side uh tyler hudenick i think was at ucf i hope i pronounced his name right um i think he it's going to work with the offensive line. Um, Kelsey Pope, who was, uh, I think he was the wide receivers coach at, that's slipping my mind now. I got to look up his bio real fast. Was it Gardner Webb, maybe? Um, I think he might be the uh, helping out with the, the wide receivers. Uh, Jack Taylor's a guy from UCF, uh, along with the other two guys from UCF, who I think is going to work with the tight ends. A couple of these guys have already, looks like they're pretty on board, changed their Twitter, their Twitter official, I guess. Um, and then I believe we've said Matt Merritt was going to be on the staff. Uh, Heifel had hired him to be UCF's running backs, running backs coach. Uh, obviously, he's not going to coach the running backs in Tennessee, but uh, he could end up in a support staff role. Although I'm not sure that that's finalized. So yeah, uh, looks like they've got looks like they've got pretty much the offensive staff, even the the kind of behind the scenes analysts, GAs. Uh, looks like they've got most of those positions lined up. So Ryan, you mentioning Militello. Uh, reminded me to say that. Yeah, I wonder sometimes with Heupel if, like, you know, they do that traditional thing with the spring game where, like, the winner, whether it's the offense or defense or whoever, like, the winner gets, like, steak and the the, the, the loser gets beanie weenies. I think with, with Heupel it might be, like, no matter what happens, the offense gets steak, no matter what. Uh, I'm just kidding. He's not actually going to do that. But I will say this about Cody Burns before we go to break, uh, and this is this is just sort of in a nutshell – the Auburn Alabama, like the, the the way things are going for that rivalry right now. But the only reason people didn't talk a lot about Auburn's receivers, you know, the the past year or so, couple of years, is because of Alabama's wide receivers. Alabama's wide receivers were just on another planet, but Auburn's were really, 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 really good. And and so I think the guy who was their passing game coordinator and their position coach should should get some credit for that. So I think Tennessee did a nice job with that hire, assuming everything stays stays where it should be. And, and Auburn's probably going to have a couple guys drafted here um and, and seth williams and anthony schwartz yep um and so and, and he recruited uh noah igbenogany who was a first round pick even though he's a defensive guy um he was the, the primary he's uh, that's one of his big names on his uh list of guys that he's recruited on his 24 7 sports profile page but um and, and darius slayton was a was a guy that that's gone on to play pretty well in the nfl too yeah. that, that burns coach so yep. um for all the you know auburn's you make a good point about their wide receivers. Um, but they still have had some guys that, that have and are going to at least get 
pretty good looking NFL, I think. Oh yeah, but it's just Bama's mm-hmm. guys have been on another planet, so that's what welcome to well, life. Bama's Bama's playing an entirely different game. Yeah, than like ninety eight percent of the of the college football world. So welcome welcome to Auburn life, and the reason why that giant chip on their shoulder stays there twenty four seven. Um, you know, basically the, the Auburn site could be like chip on shoulder 24 seven. Like it's, that's just the way that program has to be because, um, you're next to Bama. So that's just, that's just the way it goes in life. So, um, we got it. We got a lot more to discuss guys. We got to step away for a break Got to pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, other fun things. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, what Tennessee's got left on the defensive staff, uh, which is a, at least a couple of hires, some interesting things there. And then we will talk about the recruitment of top 50 quarterback, Ty Simpson, which has taken a couple of interesting turns here in the past week or so, which has been interesting and also interesting because, Hey, it's a quarterback, right? High profile, always interesting, never dull, plenty to discuss. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here in this edition of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. we got Patrick Brown from an undisclosed location. we got Ryan Callahan from his home daycare center across town. Also, we've got Gus sitting on the floor here in the studio and uh, starting to make noise. If you've got good headphones, you're probably hearing him in the background doing the things that, uh, that, that, that dogs do. So... Pat, Undisclosed he's making, location. He's making, making cat noises. You mean Wes? He's making cat noises. He <laughs> is a thirty-one pound dog. I will let it that that's out there for the record. What does Ron Swanson say? Uh, that uh, any dog under fifty pounds is a cat, and cats are useless. I believe was yes, one, correct. Was, ding, ding, ding. Well, you know what? <laughs> I love my wife, and she always wanted a corgi, and so that's what she got. So that's what we got right now. I do he, he I do want to get him a bigger brother though. Um, but before we we go on and, and talk a little bit more about Tennessee football here in the the second uh, segment of this edition of the Go Balls Twenty Four Seven podcast, I do want to go out there and, and quickly ask you, please, again, guys, take a minute out of your time right now, go in there and hit the subscribe button on this podcast. Uh, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find the Go Balls Twenty Four Seven podcast. Please go in there and mash that subscribe button. Please go in there and rate and review this podcast. There is nothing you can do that will help us more than that. If, if you want us to continue adding wolves to this wolf pack, and I look at these numbers every week, and they are really, really good. And and it's just amazing. You go year over year, week over week, month over month, everything that, that we're doing here. It's awesome. Uh, but if you all will continue to subscribe, rate, and review, uh, that will help the algorithms. That will get the word out to even more people. 
and we will keep growing this podcast. Also, I'll mention this again at the end, but you can go anytime to subscribe to GoVols247.com. Uh, you would be a fool not to do that. Uh, we got always got good deals going on. Always got good deals going on. Right now, we got two months for the price of one dollar. One dollar, Bob. We'll talk about that at the end again uh, of this of this episode or epidition. But please, please go take advantage of that, guys. Right now, uh, I know uh, the economy. It, it is what it is. Tough time in our world. But two months for one dollar. That, that's pretty reasonable. And, and there's tons of great benefits to being a full member uh, that we will discuss later on in this edition. And if, you've, and if you've taken advantage of the $1 deal or have been with us for any number of years, we appreciate your, appreciate you being with us. Yeah. Thank you. That's a great you know what? person out there. Dynamite drop-in, Pat. I, I should not have forgotten to mention that, and you picked me up, and I appreciate that. That was a di- I, dynamite drop-in. I'm the wind beneath Grant Ramey's wings, but I can, I can be the breeze beneath yours too, Wes. <laughs> Despite being despite being held hostage in an undisclosed location, because that's what it sounds like, um, he, he proved his worth there. Yeah. No, yeah. I just don't want to. I just don't want to tell y'all where I am. <laughs> no, but let's be real. You're being held. I mean, your your world yes, has Ryan, changed a little bit. Yes. Held hostage is not wrong these days. Says, probably, right? says the guy with three tiny children. Also, I, exactly, exactly. It doesn't even feel like quarantine to me because where was I going? Yeah, and, but but as we say this, y'all's <laughs> children are as we say this, y'all's children are behaving, and uh, the the thirty one pound dog here is jumping at my heels as we're recording this edition of the podcast because I couldn't convince him to go in the other room because he's stubborn and that's life, guys. Uh, Tennessee. We talked in the first segment, obviously, Tennessee adding a defensive coordinator. Finally, that that 19-day search or whatever is now done, dusted, home hosed, whatever you want to call it. Everything looks good there. Offensive staff is in place, the full-time staff, uh, and obviously the support staff. I always feel like it's kind of rude to just, like, you refer to, like, the nine, like, primary coaches as, like, the full-time coaches. And the other guys, what are they, like, part-timers working 20 hours a week? No, they're not. I mean, they're in the building all the time. They're working their tails off, but it's just kind of the way that they, they are described. But the uh, sort of, you know, quality quality analysts and, you know, quality control guys, you know, graduate assistants, all these other guys. Um, but it looks like the offensive staff, by and large, is in place. Defensive staff, though, uh, seems to be still uh, work to work to do there. You know, the, we we've done the reports and talked about Tracy Rocker, uh, the, the veteran defensive line coach, recruiter, Rodney Garner, West. What did I say? You said Tracy Rocker. He's been long gone. <laughs> God, God bless. Again, this this edition of the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast brought to you by Death Wish Coffee and Dayquil. Do we uh, do try, we need to edit that out, or no, are we just letting it stand? Just leaving it in. Just leaving it in. We're just owning it. Tra- We're steering Tra- it. In Tra- Tracy was here like fourteen months ago, or whatever. Like you know, I mean, hey, I'm gonna. Oh, what are you gonna do, right? Um, but seriously, no. Garner is is a tr- fantastic, fantastic coach. Um, we we could talk. He can have his own edition of the podcast. Honestly, a edition talking about everything he's done in his career as a recruiter, as a defensive line coach. Um, just as just the, the guy is it would be a welcome addition to any staff that he was on. But things are still interesting there for Tennessee. Got got some more spots to fill uh, from the full time staff and both from the kind of support staff role. Um, anything that, that's in the wind there, guys. I know that that we have a different standard of reporting. Uh, we do not go with rumors. We were going to tell you what what we know um, or what we strongly, strongly, strongly suspect. Anything out there in terms of whether it's, you know, if you don't want to mention a name, we, we could just mention sort of some positions, some things they need to address. What do we know about that situation? Well, it's kind of like Ryan talked about uh, before the break in, in terms of how do, how does Tennessee want to um, 
how does he want to structure this after they want two guys in the secondary do they want inside and outside linebackers do they want even defensive tackles defensive ends if they want to bring on another defensive line coach so um, there's a few different directions they can go um that said obviously with garner on staff um and and, and do they have a special teams guy because a lot of staffs kind of divvy it up yeah. um you know hypel at ucf had a had a special teams coordinator is that what he wants to do uh, does he make one of the position coaches uh, a special teams coordinator? There's some options there. Uh, we do think the obviously the offensive staff is is done, but um, you know I don't you know Ronnie Gardner is going to be the defensive line coach. But uh, what do they do? You know uh, Willie Martinez is the name we've heard. We've mentioned. Um, still think it's a possibility he could end up at, at Tennessee again. Um, obviously he's spent the past three seasons with Hypel at UCF. Um, there is a connection there uh, both with Garner, who he worked with worked at with Georgia. Um, and also with uh, Tim Banks. He actually coached him at Central Michigan back in 1994. So um, I, I don't know how much they've kept in touch, but obviously there is a connection there. Um, and, and, you know, I, I know Tennessee fans may feel some type of way about how uh, how Willie was his first time here when he was uh, with Butch Jones. But, um, he, you know, I think he did a decent job, and I think he would be a good asset to have on the staff because he's a veteran guy. He's the, you know, he knows the SEC. Um, and I think he can be a guy that you could – um, whether he's coaching cornerbacks, whether he's coaching safeties, I think he could uh, he could be flexible and 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 kind of tag team that with with Banks if if he if he was to come on staff. So um, there's some other guys that um, uh, you know that Banks has worked with that uh, that he could bring, but don't want to get any names just yet. So uh, it would be easy to just list the guys he's worked with and and say maybe it'll be one of those guys, but that's not necessarily going to be the case. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. Yeah, and I, I like that uh, you, you've got some options here uh, because of Tim Banks' background. You, you've got you know the fact that he was a safeties coach at Penn State obviously might lead people to think he's he's going to be the safeties coach. But before the defensive coach was in place or the defensive coordinator was in place, I think the plan was for Willie Martinez in all likelihood to be the safeties coach. So uh, we'll see if that changes now. But Banks has been a secondary coach handling both corners and safeties at multiple stops. So not out of the not out of the realm of possibility that he could coach corners and Martinez coach safety. So you've got that possibility out there. Um, and, and Banks has coached outside linebackers at a previous stop. So you, you maybe got the outside possibility of him helping with linebackers in some capacity, but uh, they've at least got some flexibility there, but yeah, the, how they use that final spot and, and, and what they do with the secondary probably plays into this a lot, but you know, if it's a four, three system, you might see them go with just a linebackers coach and then a special teams coordinator. Like we've, Saw him, uh, saw Josh Heupel do at UCF. That was his alignment there. He had a, a t- the 10th assistant that was added a few years back, that, that just the special teams coordinator. So you could see them do that. Uh, was it Nick Toth? Is that his name that, was, that handled that role at UCF? Um, so you've yes. got guys like that that it could be in play if you decide to go that route. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure who, if they don't go that route, I'm not sure who on the current staff would be the special teams coordinator, but you would think they have an option or two that it could go with internally, uh, depending on who else fills those final spots. And then, uh, you know, you would think Rodney Garner is likely to be just the defensive line coach. Uh, but if it's a four man front, you always could see them break up defensive tackles and defensive ends or something to that effect. So you've got some flexibility here, having a couple spots left. Uh, thanks to that 10th assistant spot. It's just a matter of how they want to use it. But my, my guess just right now would be that they split up corners and safety somehow between banks and, and, and another coach, probably Willie Martinez, and then you see Tennessee hire linebackers coach, and then 
And then from there, it just becomes, do they go inside and outside linebackers in a 3-4 alignment? Or if it's a 4-3, I think it's more likely going to be a linebacker's coach and then something else. Yeah, and, and I think Heupel had two secondary coaches at UCF, too. I think I think yeah. Billy Martinez was his quote-unquote secondary coach, and then they had Corey Bell, who coached the cornerbacks. So uh, you could do something like that again. Uh, but I would think that at this point, I would that would be my my thought if I was making a prediction. Obviously, as we've seen, over the past few weeks, things can ebb and flow and change and 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 go a lot of different directions uh, without much uh, warning. Uh, to use one of the favorite phrases that uh, the checkerboard uses quite a bit, it's a fluid situation. It's fluid. <laughs> well, it's I, fluid I think it's, it's much more widely accepted, too, to go with the two secondary coaches in this day and age, especially because, as we talked about before, everybody's in nickel and dime so much. You don't you want five and six of those guys on the field yeah, every just just right. every play. So you don't want one position coach to necessarily be responsible for more than half the players on the field in some formation. So you're seeing much more often corners and safeties divided. So I would I would almost guarantee we're going to see that alignment. It's just a matter of whether they go with one linebackers coach, one D line coach, and a special teams coordinator, or they break up D line or linebackers in some some way, and somebody else also takes on the special teams title. Yeah, it, but what, what seems important to me to note is that things are finally sort of barreling toward a finish here. Like it seems like, um, you know, th- this has been in flux, and and while while it can be exciting, the unknown, uh, it can also sometimes just be frustrating. And Tennessee fans have wanted this search. Uh, to sort of be over yesterday, you know, or not yesterday, like two weeks ago, you know. Uh, but 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 what happened uh, when Pruitt was hired and like almost the entire staff was in the building the next day, that that's sort of rare. Like you don't you don't see that. And, what, and what, they still did announce that staff until after National Signing Day too. So yeah. So uh, and I mean that's while what usually happens is somewhere between that and what this has been you know normally you 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 will see somewhere in between like the immediate and like the almost 3 weeks uh it, it's a little bit different um but i think now uh, that you got the coordinators in place uh, it looks like uh, the offensive staff in place uh, the the defensive staff and and things can change you know obviously this is where pat would say it's fluid um you know cuz that's just the word that we all have to use now but it seems to me like we're we're sort of steamrolling toward a finish here with getting this this staff in place and can we say it for the hundredth time, guys? What do you think I'm going to say? Fluid? No. What are you going to say? Kevin Steele. What am I going to say about him? <laughs> not going to be on Tennessee staff. Yeah, I, he's I mean, not going to be here. Which is, I'm not sure what he's doing right now, but he's not going to be yeah. coaching for Tennessee. Yeah, it's really interesting because you know you have. Uh, and it's because fa- he's going to make $900,000 for like a week of work. Yeah. I mean, it's a great deal. Like I'm telling you, not working for Tennessee is the greatest deal on the planet, except for Jerry. Or, or right if now. Tennessee wants you to work for them also could be pretty mm-hmm. lucrative for you. That's true. Uh, guys like Jay Wright have, and, and, and with Jay Wright, Mike Gundy, some of those guys have made millions basically off of Tennessee interest Al, hey, over the years. Al Washington, Al Washington like doubled his net worth in a, 48 hour span by being involved in Tennessee's DC search. So that's true. That's true. And, it's, it's, and he, it's a great point. he and Matt house just made some money too. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's good money. It's, it's good work. If you can get it like, uh, you know, uh, if Tennessee, uh, Tennessee's official podcast was going to try to take any of us, I mean, we'd probably get raises like tomorrow. So, you know, it's just kind of how the, how the business goes. Just kidding. We wouldn't get another penny, but guys, um, it looks to me like now that this staff is in place, we can start focusing now finally on, you know, 
normal things, right? Like normal things talking like spring football will start ramping up, recruiting obviously, which Ryan knows and everyone should know by now, is all the time. There's no – I mean, in Tennessee, while it's in flux here, has had some, some recruiting challenges because that's just how it is. What's interesting to me though, Ryan, is that it does not seem to be affecting Tennessee – too, too much, at least on the surface, with arguably the most important prospect on the board. Uh, Ty Simpson, the top 50 quarterback prospect from Martin, Tennessee, the son of a uh, friend of the pod, Jason Simpson, UT Martin, head football coach, former Chattanooga Mox assistant from back in the day. Uh, Ryan, where do things stand with Ty Simpson, and where is Tennessee, as best you can tell, in that battle? Yeah, so we, we did have a little bit of a development on that on Monday. Uh, Ty Simpson had previously... Uh, tweeted just a couple weeks ago that he was going to announce his decision this Friday, uh, February 19th, uh, during an afternoon ceremony at his school with the uh, kind of the asterisk popping up over the past few days that weather could affect that. And people were kind of like, well, what does that mean? He had seen the forecast and heard about the possibility of this snow slash ice storm in, in middle and West Tennessee being a, being a possibility of impacting things. And, and school's already been closed uh, in, in Weekly County, I think for Tuesday, and maybe maybe beyond that, not sure yet, but at least Tuesday. So I think with just the uncertainty there, he didn't want to go ahead and make the plan and have to push it back at the last minute. So he pushed it back a week, uh, exactly one week to the 26th now. So not a bad development for Tennessee. I don't think people should necessarily read into that, that this means anything is changing uh, or that he is needing more time to assess things. I think this is mostly related to just the announcement logistics themselves, but it does have the added benefit of giving him more time to develop a relationship with Josh Heifel and, uh, and Alex Golish and, and, uh, and, and Halsey, the quarterback's coach. You've got, you've got more time to get to know those guys that you've only known for less than three weeks now. So it, it helps with that. Now, Josh Heifel's already talked with him a bunch. Uh, Ty Simpson talked with, uh, with 104.5 The Zone in Nashville on Friday and said he'd already talked with, uh, with Heifel more than 20 times or, or around 20 times by that point. So they've, they've been talking every day. They're having a lot of Zooms and things like that, getting to know each other. So Tennessee's doing what it can. But most people agree right now Tennessee is probably chasing uh, somebody else, if not, if not a couple teams. It's either Alabama or Clemson, depending on who you ask, that's in the driver's seat. I've heard a little more on my end that it's Alabama, but I know the perception out there nationally is that Clemson's the team to beat. Certainly wouldn't surprise me if it's Clemson, but – uh, I, I think one of those teams is the is the the front runner right now, and Tennessee is a, you know no better than second. But Tennessee is one of those teams that because he's had such a strong connection to them all along that you can't count them out. And, and even after the coaching change, he, yeah, he's Ryan, always that, liked the I idea mean. of playing at Tennessee. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I wanna I wanted to, to to pause you there for one second because I I, I think it's important to note that you know if we're trying to look at this from a rational perspective, right. This kid is – look at the options that he has on the table and look at the fact that, okay, Ole Miss, you know, probably probably just – that's probably just not going to happen. So you're looking at, you know, you're looking at Clemson, you're looking at Alabama, you're looking at Tennessee. For people out there listening to this podcast, and I'll be honest, Ryan, I'm one of them. Uh, I know his dad a little bit, obviously, over the years, but I'm still just curious by this. How in the hell is Tennessee even in this – competition right now <laughs> like because i mean look at this for you you've got three choices right door one door two door three how much like emotional attachment do you need to tennessee right now to have tennessee even in the conversation yeah i i, I think there's a couple reasons they're still in it one is 
just bottom line, he's always liked Tennessee on, on some level. Now, he didn't – I think there's a perception out there that he's, like, been this diehard Tennessee fan his whole life. That's not really true either. But he's grown up in this state. His dad was at UTC, as you said before. Which is an orange town. Moving from one orange yep. town to another orange town. Right. So he's always been in this state. Um, he's told me the story before about he, you know when his dad was the head coach at UT Martin back in 2010, the first game of the Derek Dooley era. A young Ty Simpson's on the sideline there in Neyland Stadium, and he's looking around at the scene and just kind of mesmerized by it. Uh, even though like he, they were the enemy that day, like he wanted UT Martin to win that game, but he he really liked the scene and everything. So he's always liked Tennessee deep down, and he's a Tennessee kid. So I think the idea of representing his home state is appealing to him. At the same time, his dad's family's from Mississippi. That's one of the reasons I think Ole Miss is in it, along with that offense. And he knows yeah. some people at Ole Miss. Um, his uncle played at Ole, or his, his dad's uncle, I believe it is, played at Ole Miss. So mm-hmm. he's he's got some ties to that state and that school that, that make it uh, a possibility. But this has been a three-team race for a while now, and I think it's going to come down to Clemson, Alabama, and Tennessee. Uh, for Clemson, you know, he's he's obviously liked what he's seen from Trevor Lawrence and and likes Dabo Sweeney's staff. There, there, there's plenty to, to like they are similar to Alabama, where it's just a top program, where I think he thinks he can go in there, assuming he's the starter at some point after, uh, you know, at, at, whether it's in a couple years or whenever, he could take over that starting job and immediately become, uh, a, a, you know, preseason All-American and Heisman con- uh, contender just by being Clemson's starting quarterback. You know, that's, that's what he sees at Alabama and Clemson, just a chance to be an early-round pick because of what those programs have started to churn out in terms of NFL talent and, and where they are nationally contending every year. So those are those are the options that obviously are appealing to him for those reasons, but it's head versus heart a little bit. And that's why I think Tennessee still has a shot. And they've just frankly recruited him harder than anybody the whole time in some ways. Like you can't fault Tennessee for losing this one if he doesn't go to Tennessee. The previous staff was all over him. The new staff's been all over him since the day they got there. Uh, they know T- Ty Simpson's the best quarterback to come out of Tennessee out of this state in the modern era, period. And so it's obviously an important target for Tennessee. They've done everything they can to get him. We'll see if this new staff can make up for not having a lot of time with him, but they're, they're at least doing everything they can to, to try to make things interesting down the stretch. And I'm not counting them out just yet, even though I do think they're there's underdogs right now. And here, here's the interesting thing though. Um, and and it, you know, every kid's different, right? Every kid thinks about things in their own way as they should do, because it's their decision. It's their life. Uh, but, but, but if you imagine right now, if you have grown up in Tennessee, been around Tennessee your entire life, you know very well like how things are with the Tennessee fan base. You know how things are with the program. And, and you probably, through, through your dad, have some understanding of uh, just what the legacy is going to be for the Tennessee quarterback who gets the program out of this mess. Um, yeah. Now you talk about and if and, and hey, there's nothing wrong if you want to go be the you know the the next Trevor Lawrence, you go be the next Trevor Lawrence. If you want to go be the next Tua, you know some somebody like that, go do that. Go do that, right? You know, go, the, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, and and you could not fault a kid for making that decision because hey, you're stepping into a Ferrari, and sometimes if you're a kid, you just want to drive the Ferrari, man. You just do that. That's it's fun. So yeah, I get that. Also, it's a it seems to be a pretty sure path to to playing to the next level if you're good enough. However, that really big alternative there is you go to a place like Tennessee, you turn the thing around. And you become like the legend of legends. And that, if you are the right kind of kid, that could motivate you 
uh, I really think, and kids, you know, we kind of live in this whole like Snapchat, TikTok, immediate era, all this. Um, but whoever is Tennessee's quarterback when this thing turns around, uh, will will never, no matter what happens, will never need to ask for a job in this state. Will never need. I mean, you're talking about just guaranteed success for life. And I, I just wonder if for some kids there is appeal to that because you're taking a huge risk. And to be honest, it's not the risk that it was before because you can transfer. You you can yeah. you can no, now the- go transfer. And and that to me is another reason why I would think Tennessee's in this because you can, you know, kid, people around this kid can say, listen, man, if your heart says Tennessee, bro, go with your heart. And then if something goes wrong, you can leave. Well, I, I, on the flip side, you know, the transfer portal can, can work the other way. He could always take his swing at the, the, quote unquote big program where let's face it he could go to Alabama and he's waiting his turn behind Bryce Young and if he's there for a couple of years they could sign a quarterback in the 2023 class who essentially leapfrogs him in line because they could get another big time quarterback in the next class who's even better yep. um, and he could end up transferring to Tennessee or somewhere else after that if it goes wrong in that way so yeah he's he's I'm sure had that thought and, and knows that uh, nothing's final uh, in this era of the transfer portal. So that helps a little bit to know that you've always got that fallback plan. But yeah, I, I think the, the appeal of Tennessee is kind of what you said. It's the, it's the chance to be sort of a, sort of a savior uh, of, of, of your home state school and program to, to turn things around. And, and I, I'll say this, I think Tennessee's new system is a really good fit for Ty Simpson and his skill set. I think what the, what Josh Heupel does fits him very well. Uh, and, and I think he would probably be successful. And I think he can see that right now. So I think that that probably helps from that standpoint. And he knows there's a, a much clearer path to early playing time at Tennessee, even though you've got Caden Salter and then Hooker in there. I think there's a sense that he could come in and, and if not be a day one starter, start pretty early in his career. So all that does does make you think Tennessee is appealing to him. And I think all that is is factoring into this. Uh, and yeah, just the fact that he can kind of go in there and be he'd be a, he'd be a celebrity at Tennessee at Alabama or Clemson. He'd be, a, you know, one of a bunch of All-Americans. Uh, once he got on campus and, and sort of not, you know, he'd be a big deal, but not nearly what he would be at Tennessee. So that is part of the appeal for sure. And it's just, uh, like I said, kind of a head versus heart thing in a way. And that makes it tough for a kid like that. But I think he does at the end of the day, want to go to the NFL. And I think the bottom line is he knows starting quarterbacks at Clemson and Alabama usually get drafted. And, and let's face it, Tennessee's recent quarterbacks have not had quite the same track record. Josh Dobbs is one of a couple that has been drafted over the last 15 years. So, Tennessee needs to change that, but yeah, he knows he could be the guy that kind of helps get Tennessee back, and that's that's appealing to him. Well, just think about someone like Christian Hackenberg, right? Like when Penn State, yeah. Penn State was on, you know, Penn State was about like as low as a proud program can get, and and for for just awful awful reasons, just a nasty nasty situation there. And, and Hackenberg knows that hey, there's there's bowl bands, there's scholarship productions, there's all these things. Um, but I'm a Pennsylvania kid. I'm going to Penn State. And I don't care. And the kid's just a legend there. No matter, you know, didn't end up having a, a, like a big career, uh, despite being a second round draft pick, didn't last very long in the league. He's still 26 years old. Um, but, you know, will be a legend in Happy Valley because of that decision. And, and I don't think the kids necessarily think like this, but, you know, if more kids did think like this, uh, I think they would help themselves um, set themselves up for success in life, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think he, I think another thing about the in-state appeal for, for Tennessee, because he, he's got this thought, I think, wherever he goes, that he what obviously he's committing early now. 
he, he has this thought that, you know, he's on, he's on a seven on seven team with several other Tennessee targets. Some of those guys are being recruited by Alabama, Ohio mm-hmm. States and the other big schools. Uh, he's had the thought of trying to get some of those guys to come with him, get other players in the state to come with him wherever he goes. And I think he knows, yeah, sure. If I go to Alabama, I could get a couple of those guys to come with me at Clemson. Maybe one of those guys could come with him. I don't know. I'm not sure any of them are likely to um, not, none of them are really considering Clemson. At Tennessee, that's kind of the one place where he has the possibility, at least, of, hey, a lot of these guys could come with me if I go to Tennessee. So I think that's always been one of the things in the back of his head, too, is I could kind of start, especially for a new staff, this in-state movement and try to get some guys to yeah, follow yeah, me. Like, like be, maybe. Be LeBron. You know, be LeBron. Build your team. Yeah. And so so there's uh, – obviously, he, he knows some guys in this state would like to play with them in college. He knows some guys at Tennessee right now. He's You know, people saw the, the photo – uh, a month or two ago where he went hunting with Cade Mays and Cooper Mays and some of those guys at Trey Smith. So he knows he's talking to Cooper Mays and, and JT Carver, his former Westview high school teammate. Uh, that's now a, wa- a preferred walk on kicker for the balls. He's talking with those guys and getting their thoughts on Josh Heupel so far. They're giving him positive feedback. So again, there, there's enough things working in Tennessee's direction that you can, I, I understand why some Tennessee fans out there still talk themselves into thinking they have a shot. So I, again, I don't think they're the favorite right now, but I do think, there's still enough of a fighting chance. And maybe even if he commits to someone else this month, still maybe down the road a fighting chance because I think he could could always be swayed later on by seeing how this offense goes in Josh Heupel's first season or or something like that. It's one of those deals where it's probably not off the table completely until pretty close to signing day later this year. Pat, did you, it looked like Pat, it looked like you had something to say there. You you look like you were, you were primed and and ready to, to, to drop some knowledge on us with another dynamite drop in. Uh, I, I don't, I, I, I was ready <laughs> because I'm always ready Wes. You that's why I'm asking ready. you. I just saw you, yeah. like, I saw you like sit up, you looked at the microphone, you were like, I'm uh, dude, it's about to happen. I'm about, I'm about to do something But you weren't. <laughs> well, I, no, I will say this. Alarm. Well, I, and, and kind of related to Ty Simpson and those other in-state guys, the interesting thing following recruiting with this staff, because a, a lot of times you do see most of the staff on board within a couple of days and they just kind of hit the ground running because this has been so different. And Josh Heupel and a few assistants have been sort of, doing all the recruiting themselves and Heifel really has, has done a lot of it uh, on his own so far. Uh, it, it's been really focused on in-state recruiting and that's uh, it's gone over pretty well so far. I think you've heard most of the guys that had offers from Tennessee's previous staff and, and Tennessee's still been kind of scrambling to catch up on film and get their own evaluations of, of these guys and see which ones are going to matter most to them. But I think they just knowing where the program is, they know they're going to be heavily recruiting a lot of these in-state players and so a lot of guys who weren't even maybe talking to the former staff that much are hearing from Tennessee's coaches every other day or every day in some cases. So they're off to a good start, at least you know, building good relationships, but they've, they've just got a lot of work to do. The, the timing on this hire was tough. Uh, the circumstances for the program are tough. I still wonder when the, you know, if any self-imposed sanctions come down, if they decide to go forward with that this year, that could, that could be a further setback. You, know, you just wonder what, what else is going to happen uh, this year with all that. But, but the circumstances are tough, but they're doing what they can, and they've, they've focused most of their energy on in-state recruiting so far, and I think you're seeing it's at least helped uh, to, to build some relationships there and make up for what's been a, obviously a pretty tough couple months for Tennessee. It was what Heupel said at his intro presser, right? It was one of the first things he said. You know, wanted to build that, wanted, yep. wanted to build that wall and make Bama pay for it. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, that, you know, I mean, and he didn't say the last part, but, I mean, come on, let's just have some fun here. But, yeah, I, I think that's um, – if you're in a Tennessee situation right now, uh, starting by looking at some kids who you can p- tug at the heartstrings a little bit, I don't think it's the worst idea I've ever heard. 
And this is a year where the, you know, we, we'll talk about it more in the coming months, but this, this 2022 class in Tennessee, it really is about, it's probably the deepest I've seen. Uh, and I'm sure more might still emerge in the coming months, but this is a class where there's probably 20 or so players Tennessee could legitimately take in a year where they could actually clean up in state. Now that's not going to happen. They're not going to get all those guys this year. I can just tell you right now, they're, they're almost definitely going to miss out on some, uh, but it, you know, even in a year like this where you might miss out on half or more of those guys, there still could be a pretty big in-state class. So that it's a good idea, I think, to be heavily involved with all those guys and, and, and to take as many as you can because it's not too often the state has this kind of depth. It's improved, but this is a, this is a, a pretty rare level of depth we've seen so far in this 2022 class in Tennessee. And again, tells you what the program could do later on. More and more players, prospects coming from the state. Again, yep. there's another reason to believe that the Tennessee program will not be down forever. It just will not. It cannot. It's not possible for Tennessee to keep being mediocre forever. I just I refuse to believe that. I don't know when it'll happen, but I know it's going to happen. You know, I, I yeah. just I don't I don't think, you know, people look at it from the outside and, and I, I don't. I just I think they're kind of missing it. If I'm if I'm honest with you, I, I don't I don't think people understand that you there. This is never going to be like a top five job, but it's a in in some weird ways it's a better job than it used to be. Even though the program, uh, if the program could just get out of its own way, you know, it's just well, got to stop. It's it's, it's got to stop doing stupid stuff. If the program will just stop doing stupid stuff, the infrastructure is in place there to still be a really really good football program. Like an elite football yeah. program, in my opinion. Well, let's hey, let's be real. It's, it's only been I know it seems like it's been nothing but catastrophic failures for Tennessee because this was considered a failure. But they're still a little more than four years removed from being ranked in the top ten at one point in 2016. So they've had their moments, even in what's been a pretty rough 12 or 13 year stretch. That's just they've got to make it a more consistent thing. They've got to they've got to obviously do that again first. But then when they get to that eight or nine win level again, they got to keep it there. So that's that's the big challenge for the next guy to get it there. But yeah, th- this program's shown it's got the resources there to get it back to eight or nine wins, and especially with that having having improved the in-state talent base. That's that's a big start to that because yeah, yeah. that's one of the things that's challenged them so much over the years is every state around them, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, the in-state programs in all those schools and all those states that were down back in the '90s, they're all good now. Even North Carolina, Mac Brown getting there really damaged Tennessee's efforts to get into North Carolina. So that's made it tough. But that in-state talent base makes up for that and gives you a better chance to to build something and sustain it. So yeah, th- get the right staff that can uh, that can actually take advantage of that, and you got something. Last thing I'm going to say. Was so positive there. Yeah, so positive. I'm, he was. I'm going to say Sunshine this. I'm going to say this. Listen, if you are a bandwagoner, maybe consider just putting your orange gear like in storage, like vacuum seal it, put it like in a drawer somewhere or in the closet. I don't know if I'd want to sell or burn it yet because. I still think in a few years you might end up wanting to wear it again. If you're a bandwagoner. I, I, I don't want to encourage any sort of bandwagoners, okay? If I'm you're saying, a bandwagoner, I'm saying don't if, listen to our podcast. No, no, no. Everyone should listen to our podcast. Whether you hate Tennessee, love Tennessee, um, you know, hey, there, there are well, – that, we, we do that's, not that's discriminate. That, that's, 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 that's not what I said. I said you can hate Tennessee and you can listen to our podcast. If you're switching allegiances, then – Okay, okay. I can I can roll with that. I can roll with that. Uh, and I'll say it's a that, good that, that, to that's be, on, that, that, that's going to be that that's going to be the 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 name of this epedition is going to be you know epedition 157 or whatever you know bandwagoners gtfo that's what's going to be <laughs> well well it's a good message to end on because I think uh this this 
coaching search, this staff search has felt, I, I've seen a lot of people say this, this wasn't very fun for Tennessee fans to follow that. It's felt like one kick in the one punch in the gut after another, because it's like, we're getting turned down, turned down by position coaches and NFL position coaches and all this stuff. It a, probably wasn't as bad as it looked on the surface. I think that yes, got turned down by some guys. Some guys weren't interested because of the situation, but it's still an appealing enough job. They were able to go get a co-defensive coordinator at a, pretty good program in Penn state. And I'm sure others down their list could have easily taken the job and been pretty well received. So I, this is not the, the complete disaster people were thinking it was during this stretch. And then two, the, the overall finished product of the staff is going to look pretty good. I think you've got a couple experienced sec recruiters in Rodney Garner and Cody Burns, a UCF staff on offense that put up a lot of points. The finished product will look pretty good. I think by the time they make these final two or three hires. Yeah, and they just got to be good on the field. But that's going to be that's going to be the challenge <laughs> is being good on yeah. the field uh, in the meantime. So, uh, but but hey, th- this is um, this is a sun. We we were having a little sunshine there, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna end on that dour note. So, uh, bandwagoners, GTFO. That's 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 the message, guys. You got anything else? We're a little bit over on time here, but you got anything else? No, I think we're. Uh, I think we've covered it all for the most part. I, I had one more point, Ryan. Perfect. Uh, you brought up okay. the Titans a little bit ago. I have, yeah. I have another reason they could have done better than eleven and five. Oh yeah, you could have picked Tom Brady instead going. of Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. There we go. You know, Tom- Do we know that he would have? Could, could they have definitely gotten him? Do we know that? Uh, have you been to Nashville? Duh. <laughs> Listen, Tom Brady is so accurate that dude can be drunk out of his mind and still throw the Super Bowl trophy from one boat to another accurately, right in the chest. That was impressive, right? Yeah, like it makes you wonder. Like you know, I mean, how many beers? Wes, would- Wes are you are you thinking back to your own drunk experiences and wondering about how uncoordinated? Well, you're un- uncoordinated anyway. Yeah, I'm uncoordinated now. I don't feel half my body, but the um, but but look at like, I'm wondering how many beers Brady could throw down and still like win NFL games. I'm I'm wondering. Um, maybe, maybe a few. If you're out there listening, Tom, challenge, challenge issued. <laughs> yeah. Can we please see this? The world needs this. We, it's, it's a test. Like we, we need not a simulation. We need you to go out there do it for an exhibition game. All right. Just pound some beers yeah. and, we need and to see how it goes. BAC is. Yeah. I just want to see how it goes. That's a, that's, that's, we'll leave it at that. Ryan, did you I will say it's a, it's a lot easier to envision Tom Brady after seeing him stumbling off that, that boat or whatever, uh, and, and being day drunk, uh, after the Super Bowl parade or whatever, it's much easier to envision him walking down Broadway or second Avenue or something in Nashville, stumbling out of some karaoke bar or something. Uh, that you could see him and Gronk, but hey, they're living their best life in Tampa. So more final, power final, to final question: What, 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 at what level does uh, a, a BAC level does Tom Brady have to have where he's still a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll, are we talking legal limit or I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll quote, I'll quote my dad from, I'll, I'll quote my vacation uh, dad on vacation and say uh, that uh, I'm not drunk. The sun's out. I don't know what that means, but. It's, it's, it's one one time he said he was on vacation. He was like, you know, you can't be drunk. The I think sun's he was out. drunk when he said that because it doesn't make any sense. No, I mean, because the sun's out, you're not drunk. You're only drunk if it's at nighttime. That's hey, it's don't it's science. Okay, I don't understand it, but it's science. Uh, it's it's science, and we'll go ahead and play the music now. I think because science I from Rawhide. Yeah, there you go, there you go. I don't know how <laughs> we can top that. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Wes. And thank you all for listening, as Dynamite Pat with his Dynamite drop-in noted earlier. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We thank, thank you for being a member of GoVols 24-7 if you are. And if not, you can GTFO with the bandwagoners. 
Guys, thanks for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. You can also find all of us on uh, social media. If you want uh, Just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govols247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govols247 and get all kinds of news around the clock, at least updated Geez, at least once every hour, pretty much all throughout the day. But if you want the best way to get it, the most direct, just delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring water, just right from the tap. Just right from the tap. Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, uh, Tennessee baseball, which is getting ready to start up this week, actually, against Georgia Southern. Top 20 team, four All-Americans preseason. Lots of good stuff going on there with Tony Vitello and his crew. Also, Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. Also got two forums that run around the clock. We've got the checkerboard and the summit. Uh, As long as it's not politics or religion, fire away with it. And we will discuss it all day, every day on the digital water cooler at GoVols 24-7. And you can get all of that, all of that right now. You can get two months of it for $1. $1, Bob. $1, Bob. Two months, $1. And if you're already a full-paying member, you get access in perpetuity to CBS All Access, which is about to become Paramount+, Plus, uh, which is even more good news because there's going to be even more stuff. And right now, you get everything in the CBS catalog, every show ever made, commercial-free, new movies every single month. You get live sports uh, from SEC football and SEC basketball, so that's obviously including Tennessee. Uh, you get NFL right there. You get uh, PGA Tour. You get UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League. All kinds of stuff. And when it becomes Paramount Plus, you'll get even more stuff from the Paramount catalog. All of that, that's a $100 plus annual value in your pocket for nothing. One of the best deals you can find out there. It's like it's like every New Year's, we just give you another like $100 bill and then a 10 spot on top of it. You can't beat that deal. Go check it out. Uh, if nothing else, guys, you should hear from us by Thursday. We'll have some more hoops talk later in the week. Obviously, the Vols had a bit of a of a dud over the weekend at Baton Rouge. Uh, not the time of year you want to be inconsistent. That's where they are, but still a title contender. So we'll have plenty more to discuss there. And if there's no big breaking news, you'll hear from us Thursday. If there's breaking news, you'll hear from us before then. So uh, until you hear from us again, wash your freaking hands, wear your freaking masks, be freaking nice to each other. Come on. We're almost through this. My mom got her vaccination. My mother-in-law got hers today. Guys, they're, they're coming in a couple months for all of us, hopefully. Let's get this thing done. And be nice to each other. Let's do that. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey.